This is episode 22 of the Wash Talk podcast with Tinley Dem, Adam Biran and Carolyn Moore. Welcome to the Wash Talk podcast series from IRC. My name is Andy Narricott and this is the podcast where we open up the discussion on what the wash sector needs to do to achieve the sustainable development goals. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get started. SDG 6.2 uses hand washing with soap as an indicator for national and global monitoring. So this clearly highlights the importance of hygiene and its close links with sanitation. In this episode, we talk with Carolyn Moore, Tinley Dem and Adam Biran about hygiene promotion and particularly hand washing and behaviour change. We use the Sustainable Sanitation and Hygiene for All programme in Bhutan as experience to draw on. We'll be discussing the Super AMA trial in India and how it's been adapted for Bhutan. And we'll be mentioning the immense work that still needs to be done to meet STG 6.2 related to hand washing. Before we dive in, make sure you head over to ircwash.org forward slash wash talk for the summary of this episode and help you take action and download further resources. So without any further ado, let's jump into this episode on hygiene promotion. Hello, everyone. Today I'm talking with Carolyn Moore, Tinley Dem and Adam Biran about hand washing and some promising approaches that can help the sector meet the SDGs. So first of all, Carolyn. Carolyn is the Secretariat Director with the Global Handwashing Partnership and leads the partnership strategy in advocacy, thought leadership and dissemination of best practice and innovation. So welcome, Carolyn. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. And Tinley is the Behaviour Change Communications Advisor with the WASH team in Bhutan. She has a background in health psychology and carried out a few formative studies on handwashing. She works with the Sustainable Sanitation and Hygiene for All program in Bhutan. So welcome, Tinley. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. And finally, Adam. Adam is a lecturer in the Environmental Health Group at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. The main focus of his work has been on behaviour change relating to domestic hygiene and sanitation practices. And welcome, Adam. Thanks, Andy. Hi, everybody. It's good to be here. Brilliant. So as you can tell everyone, we've got some very excellent expertise on the call today. And we're going to start off with Carolyn uh, from the Global Handwashing Partnership. From the global perspective, Carolyn, why is handwashing specifically mentioned in the SDGs? Thank you. Well, I, I think it won't come as a surprise to many people listening to this, but handwashing, proper handwashing with soap is really one of the most effective things that everyone can do to protect their own health. Um, and the benefits are really, really far reaching. So I think the benefits um, in preventing diseases and, and some of the common ones, particularly diarrhea and pneumonia, which are some of the biggest um, causes of mortality among young children, are um, probably fairly familiar to, to most people listening to this. Handwashing also has, um, to me, surprising benefits in education, so helping to keep kids in school and, and helping keep kids learning, economic growth, um, equity, and a, and a 
real range. And then we also see the importance of hand washing in healthcare settings to prevent healthcare acquired infections, to prevent sepsis, and to improve patient outcomes. So we know for lots and lots of reasons that hand washing is really, really important. And the Global Hand Washing Partnership played a big role in advocating for hand washing with soap to be included explicitly in the sustainable development goals for, I think, for two big reasons. One being the importance of hygiene as part of a, a wash approach. Um, so looking at the MDGs where, where hygiene wasn't explicitly called out and moving to the sustainable development goals, we really wanted to see a focus on hygiene, knowing that it's a really crucial piece of the puzzle that's going to make wash have the impact on health and these other areas that we want to see. Secondly, is that it's a, it's a really important behavior, but one that's notoriously difficult to change and really does take effort and investment to improve this behavior. And so our, our hope was that by advocating for inclusion in the SDGs, we'd also be able to really raise the importance of this behavior and get increased energy and investment around handwashing behavior change. Yeah, brilliant. So it really requires the system to be working towards effective behavior and not just sort of a one-time change of behavior because it needs to be sustained, right? So can you tell us briefly, how does the Global Handwashing Partnership work? I mean, do you, do you just do specific projects or you can expand on that? Sure. So, so the Global Handwashing Partnership really claimed, came together to combine the um, power and energy and resources of multiple sectors to tackle this problem of handwashing behavior change. So we bring together nonprofits, companies, academia, governments, and, and a real range of perspectives to try to improve the enabling environment and improve learning around handwashing. So our strategy focuses first on advocacy, where we bring together the voices of these different groups to advocate for more um, focus, more investment, more prioritization on hygiene, and then on knowledge management as well. So we work to facilitate learning um, among the our members, but then groups working in hygiene more broadly. Some of the ways we do that, you might be familiar with Global Handwashing Day, which was yesterday, which is our most sort of public advocacy day and was celebrated around the world. And I'm also just coming back from our handwashing behavior change think tank, where we brought together some experts and practitioners working in handwashing behavior change to look at what we're learning about what makes people wash their hands and um, what <laughs> what doesn't, um, and sort of create some, some joint solutions to the challenges. Um, and one thing that uh, the GHP really works to do is, is help others have access to knowledge and learning and, and what's been tried by others, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm excited as well to hear more about the SS4HA project and, and how that's been able to reuse learnings from the, the Superama project as well. Brilliant. So that's the SSH4A. That's the Sustainable Sanitation and Hygiene for All project. And Tinley, you're working with that in Bhutan. So can you tell us what is the project being doing specifically within Bhutan? Uh, thank you. Um, the Sustainable Sanitation and Hygiene for All, and uh, it is the Rural Sanitation and Hygiene program in Bhutan. So the program, it uh, integrates sanitation, demand creation, then supply chain development, behavior change communications, and governance and social inclusions. So these are the four components that we work on. 
So uh, now when we talk about hand washing with soap, it is uh, the work is uh, led by the behavior change communications uh, component. And in that uh, particular component, what we have done in the past and what we have been doing is that uh, we have um, uh, carried out formative studies in the past and initial in the initial phase where we wanted to see what are the motivations and what are the barrier, barriers to hand washing with soap. So that has been the initial phase and we have carried out uh, about three formative studies. And um, now what we uh, in what we have done is in 2016, in partnership with London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, uh, the Ministry of Health and uh, Upward Spiral, the creative agency, uh, we have um, uh, tried out the innovative approach that is adaptation of the superamma. So uh, that is the whole process of how hand washing is being implemented at the moment uh, as part of the rural sanitation and hygiene program brilliant we can we're going to hear about the super ammo approach um briefly but can you just highlight one or two of those barriers that you found in um from your formative study in bhutan which is perhaps um not a universal barrier but maybe something which is specific to bhutan for example because that's the thing right you have to do that in each location what uh, came out from the study uh, is that um, in the rural communities, when we looked at the hand washing stations and uh, there were like uh, hand washing stations, the taps and everything present, uh, it is provided by the government and uh, the soap was also present in the houses. So each one of the houses had uh, each soap in the a household and even the poor household they had a soap in the house but that particular soap was moving around the uh, moving around so it was not actually present during the critical junctures so um the um the mother uh, of the household just knew about the um, soap where it was and where the where she had kept but when it came to the members of other households they didn't have a very fixed place for uh, the soap so it was moving around that was a barrier that we saw that the setting was a big issue in the rural communities and then briefly how did you overcome that so um in the in the initial phase like i mentioned before from the formative studies uh it came out that knowledge was uh, also a barrier that they didn't have the proper knowledge of the critical junctures and all that so what we uh, did was we then uh, developed around knowledge on critical junctures and things like that and then we had it uh, uh, included in the triggering workshop that is the demand creation wo- workshop so we included those messages in the uh, demand creation workshop i wanted to ask um adam can you tell us about the super super ammo approach you know where what is the evidence as well that this is uh, a really effective approach sure thanks andy um so i think it's important to distinguish when we're talking between the approach and the intervention so SuperAMA was an intervention that we used in a proof of principle study, a trial in India. And the approach is really an approach to intervention design and delivery, which colleagues at London School of Hygiene have put together and which they refer to as behaviour-centred design or BCD. And what's interesting about BCD as an approach is, first of all, 
it avoids starting with health education or knowledge as a default starting point. It doesn't rule it out as part of an intervention, but we don't start from thinking that what we need to do is to educate people about health outcomes. Um, it, it uses a sound theoretical framework underpinning it, um, the EVO-ECO theory, which draws on a mixture of um, evolutionary psychology, neuroscience, and something called settings theory, which looks at how the setting, the physical and social setting that people are in, um, shapes their behaviour. And we use this theory to guide formative research to identify potential drives of behaviour and of behaviour change. And the formative research then uses a variety of methods, but with an emphasis often on observing actual behaviour in real life situations rather than simply relying on reports of behaviour. Um, then we take this formative research and we have a systematic approach to intervention design that allows us to make the best use of these formative research findings. Um, and finally, the approach recognises the importance of creative and imaginative delivery, so learning a lot from delivery within marketing within the private sector and recognising the importance of creating surprise and gaining attention. So those are the things that I think are, are interesting to the approach that created Superama. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, they're, they're brilliant. I mean, it, so you're distinguishing between the approach and the intervention, and what you've just described is the approach, this intervention, this behaviour-centred design. So now you, you, you're applying that uh, to, have, to have created this Superama uh, campaign or or how do you describe it that's right we we, apl we applied that to create what we hoped would be the most powerful hand washing intervention we could create in in india um and that had that that was superama and it, it combined um community meetings with video um with animated films and meetings with village leaders. There was a lot going on in that intervention. Um, and you're asking me, I think, why the intervention was effective. And I think there's two reasons for its effectiveness. One is the solid approach that was used in designing the intervention. And the second was really, it's a combination of the intensity of the intervention and the favourable environment that it was put into. So it was intense because we were trying to demonstrate that this approach can work. And it, it happened to fall into an environment where there was good availability of soap and good availability of water. And I think those two things coming together were particularly useful in, in resulting in the magnitude of effect that we found interesting um and i'm sure lots of people are listening to this saying well how can i apply this in my uh, uh program uh, or use this approach is it is it uh, have you made this available on open source that people can use so yes everything that we did is available online at uh, superama.org there's all the materials that we used um 
there's examples of how to do the formative research and so on. All of our formative research methods are available up online. And it's a process. We're, we're constantly working with organisations to develop new interventions and we're constantly refining and developing our formative research tools. But the idea was that SuperAMA would be a model which people could pick up and try to use and try to learn from but adapt to their situation, both to their country and to the resources that are available. And one thing that I think people have probably realised who've tried this is that the intensity that we were able to achieve within a trial setting with SuperAMA is not always possible at a bigger scale and within the sort of settings that implementers are often working. And I think that's one of the one of the lessons that was interesting for me from Bhutan is that if you if you can't achieve that high intensity to get a big magnitude of change in a very short period of time, and Carolyn referred earlier on to the effort and investment required to change behaviour, so this is notoriously difficult to change. So one of the things that's interesting is how can you fit super AMA-like principles into work that's ongoing by a government program so that you try to reduce the resources that are required for delivery. You recognise that you might not get such a big jump in behaviour change in a short period of time, but you're reducing the resources that are required in order to deliver the intervention. That's a fantastic piece of learning there. So the high intensity required to change this behaviour. Um, Tinley, do you want to build on that? Maybe have you got uh, a couple more insights and learnings that you've um, extracted from the project in Bhutan? Yep, yeah, uh, thank you. Um, like Adam mentioned, like it was not that the superama in India was slightly different in Bhutan. We had to adapt, like Adam mentioned, we had to adapt on the resources or the situation that was in the country. So based on that, we adapted the superama and superama in India was a full blown hand washing campaign. But in Bhutan, what happened was the delivery channel was the triggering workshop. So uh, the triggering workshop is a two-day workshop for the rural communities and uh, part of that is a hand-washing session so which is about now with the um, the new intervention or the the new implementation that we designed uh, it is two hours of the two days of uh, the triggering workshop so it is part of the demand creation workshop and um, with the whole adaptation of the uh, superama and everything, um, what we um, mostly what uh, when we present and everything, uh, we are always compared to superama, but uh, we have to also see that the delivery channel in Bhutan was completely different to what it was in superama campaign. So it was just part of the uh, triggering workshop. So that is one of the learning from Bhutan that it was um, if hand washing uh, with soap behavior has to be changed, then it has to be a full campaign and not just part of the part of a triggering workshop. But we were able to bring changes in the behavior and the other learning that we um, that we uh, came about or that we had was that um, involving the stakeholders uh, uh, from right from the beginning uh, of and the key stages of the process which has built the commitment to scale up so now the the development of the um, hand washing the innovative hand washing approach is part of the national program and it has been scaled up to uh, 
the new districts that is under the rural sanitation and hygiene program so for that commitment by the stakeholders it needs to be we learned that we the stakeholders needs to be uh, there present from the very beginning till the end of the whole process that's that's obviously cl- showing clear learning which i think you know across the board is involving stakeholders and you build the uh, momentum to then have it taken up and uh, scaled up by government you know in government resources um this this sounds promising for bhutan um but um carolyn is are we on track we, do we with these amazing tools um we have you know there's incredible promise but what more needs to be done Honestly, quite a lot needs to be done. Um, the the 2018 synthesis report on progress on goal six in the SDGs, for example, showed that only 27% of households in least developed countries had access to a hand washing station. And this was back in 2015. Um, and we do see in the news, in research, quite often that, that even in um places where people have ready access to hand-washing facilities that the the behavior isn't practiced enough. Um, And I'm not saying this to sort of (laughs) depress everyone, but um, we really do know that current levels of effort and and impact are not going to be sufficient to see the the change in behaviors that we all want to see, um, and really ultimately the the improvements uh, in health and other outcomes. Um, And I think one really important thing listening to um, Adam and and Tinlai talk again is thinking about um, this idea of learning from previous approaches and, and being able to adapt them in a way that's that's realistic but um, and, and by that I mean works within um, existing resources but then also acknowledges the, the level of intensity that's required to change behavior. And I think in in hand washing, we still see a lot of effort to raise awareness and attention. And and in my opinion, that's still a good thing. That's really foundational. Um, But there does need to be really an additional layer next to or on top of that if we really expect to see um, sustained behavior change. Yeah. And there, absolutely, and, and you've made available, um, I believe, some resources for practitioners to use and to uh, take the best approach in their own settings. Is that right? That's right. So on the Global Handwashing Partnership website, we have um, toolkits and case studies and resources from our own work, but then from our partners and, and members as well, um, really designed to be reusable. And we really encourage people to use those, but then also share with us, share what you're learning um, and share what your advocacy needs and successes are. Um, the Global Handwashing Partnership is a membership of about 25 organizations. So so we hope that if there's a question that comes up, somebody in our network will have some experience with it. And, and we really do try to connect people to that kind of learning. Fantastic. Well, I think we have the learning infrastructure we need. Uh, and obviously, more needs to be done. But uh, thank you all for coming on and talking to us about the handwashing um, to, and what needs to be done to meet the SDGs. Uh, firstly, thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. And thank you, Thinley. Thank you. And thank you, Adam. Thanks. Nice talking to everybody. 
That was Carolyn Moore from the Global Handwashing Project, Tinley Dem from SMV Bhutan, and Adam Biran from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Thanks to them all for speaking to me on the Wash Talk podcast from IRC. I hope you liked it as much as I did. Fascinating stuff. I'll certainly be sharing it on my social media, so I invite you to do so as well. The web address, in case you forget, ircwash.org forward slash washtalk. Make sure you add to the discussion using the hashtag washtalk on Twitter or Facebook or whatever you use. Don't miss the next episode, but until then, thank you for listening. (laughs) 